don't think Frank knows who does the scripture reading today. He's, uh, right? Just, just waiting for the thumbs up. Just, all right. All right. I think we're good. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Let, let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. That's a little better. We still got a few more people coming in through the doors here. Everybody's grabbing a seat. Uh, I hope that you don't sit for long, though, because we're about to sing a song. So stand up if you'd like to. Let's sing a song together to open up our service. Thanks so much for stopping by to worship with us here in Sutherland Springs. We're going to sing, How Can I Keep From Singing? One, two, three, two, two, three. There's an endless song Echoes in my soul I hear the music ring And though the storms may come I am holding on To the rock I cling say enough how amazing is your love how can I keep from shouting your name I know I am loved by the King and it makes my heart want to sing I will let darkest night for I know my Savior lives and I will walk with you knowing you'll see me through and sing the songs you give how can I keep from seeing Shouting your name I know I am loved by the King And it makes my heart want to sing I can sing in the troubled times Sing when I win I can sing when I lose my step and I fall down again, I can sing cause you pick me up, sing cause you're there, I can sing cause you hear me Lord, when I call to you in prayer, I can sing 
sing that this is a day the Lord has made. Why? Because we were made in his image and this is a day that he has created as well. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Guys, I praise the Lord for each one of you that are here this morning. Let's go to him in prayer and let's just make this service today or to get out of the way and let him make it what he wants to make it in each one of our lives. Amen? Amen? Father God, I do come before you this morning and praise your name. It's been a great Sunday school class already today. It's been a, a, an awesome time of fellowship. There's people here that just want to, to feel your presence, Lord God. I pray that you will speak to them. You'll speak to each one of us, whether it's in a music group, myself, the people that are here, the kitchen, getting things ready for lunch. I don't know. But I pray this morning that we, each one, will hear from you in a way that is not only powerful but specific to help each one of us become a little bit closer to what it is you would have us to be. Father, I pray your will to be done in here this day and give you praise, honor, and glory for it all. And Lord, if there is someone that does not know you, whatever the reason may be, whether they've been in church their entire life, or maybe this is their first day, if that relationship is not where it is supposed to be, I pray this day that will change. May you move in the hearts of your people and may we do just as, as, the, as the praise team just led us to do. May we truly want to sing because you are our king. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 As I said, it's good seeing you this morning. Walk around singing. Give somebody a hug. Shake their hand. Let them feel and see the love of Christ in your eyes this morning. Greatest day in history, death is beaten, you have rescued me, singing out, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave, life eternal, you have won the day, shouting out, Jesus is alive, is alive. Lost my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same. 
stand in that place. Free at last, meet him face to face. I'm yours, Jesus, you are mine. Endless joy, perfect peace. Let the pain finally cease. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. He's alive. Oh, happy day, happy day. You washed my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same. Oh, happy day, happy day. You washed my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. Never be the same Forever unchanged It's so oh, What a glorious day What a glorious way That you have saved me so what a glorious day what a glorious day oh happy day happy day you washed my sin away oh happy day happy day never be the same oh happy day Happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, never be the same. No, no, forever I'm changed. What a glorious, glorious day, forever I'm Amen. So is it a happy day out there? Amen. Amen. So I got just a few announcements and I'm going to turn it over to Pat to bring our scripture reading this morning. Let me just say this. Uh, if, if you have not looked at the Facebook page, there's some neat posts that are on there about yesterday. For those of you that were able to come and bake cookies and make tacos and do all the things we did Friday to get ready for yesterday, I want to say thank you. And then the rest of everyone who came, there's some of the pictures yesterday to help out. Amen. Give God the glory. Amen. I don't know what all pictures she has, but there was about 300 bicyclists that came through and there was a lot of great things that was shared and said. And some of the bicyclists posted online just how awesome it was to see God work through the church to them who feel like that oftentimes they get pushed to the side with a, a people that not really caring for bicyclists and such. But they said they saw the hands and feet of Jesus here in our church yesterday. That's what it's about. Amen. Amen. So I thank you for doing that. And guys, remember that we talked about this in Sunday school just a little bit as well. The church isn't just for us to come in and lock the gate and keep everything on the inside, us not going out or letting others in. The love of Christ cannot be contained. I don't care how strong a building is. No matter what kind of vessel you use, 
the love of God's going to go forth. Why not be in union with that and be what God uses to take that love to a lost and dying world? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know how many of those 300 bicyclists that came through knew Christ, but statistically we know that not all of them did. And yet they saw godly people choosing to reach out, share the, the love of God in service and in food with them. And who knows? We may see them in glory one day and they're going to say, uh, thank you. And you're going to say, I don't even know who you are. Well, 25 years ago, you held a bicycle for me and that touched me. And the next Sunday, I went to a church by my house. I accepted Christ. And now I'm here today because you chose to go and hand out bananas and hold a bicycle. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the way God works. So thank you for being a part of that. Um, speaking of bicycles, Ian, Ian's not here, right? I saw Michelle. Oh. I'm sorry? Oh, he's on a bike somewhere. Oh, he's riding in this morning. Well, Ian's not here, so let me kind of promote for him. As you know, Ian's uh, trip is coming up very soon, that he'll be riding his bicycle from Niagara Falls to Laredo, riding across the country, stopping at churches along the way, preaching the gospel and sharing the gift of hope that God has and using us as an example, as all the different things that God has been using and doing through the church here all this time. So to help with that, we have put together a fundraising dinner next door. There's briskets and sausage and the trimmings. I saw lots of pies and such coming in this morning. So after the service today, if you would like to help support Ian's trip, please go, walk right next door. They're going to be selling plates already made. We This is a fundraiser. We're not selling for profit or anything like that. This is to help Ian on his trip to be able to to pay for the things he needs to cross the country, but sharing the gospel and sharing the the hope and the, the things of hope that God has done through us as well. So that's after the service this morning. Um, no Sunday school teachers meeting today. I think that, that most of y'all may have been called. Hopefully Annie is sick. So continue to lift Annie in your prayers, if you will. And I think as far as announcements, let me go ahead and touch on the, the newsletter as well. At the top of your bulletin, there's a website there that you can go to to get the newsletter if you don't, so that if you want the printed one, get with Wendy and she'll make sure you get a printed one. However, if you like it on the computer and it's easier that way, there, there's the website to go and get that. And last but not least, let me mention our, our candy run. Remember, our fall festival is coming up very soon. You say, well, that's a month away. It's time to start gathering up the candy. And we have this friendly competition between the boys and the girls. And so far, the girls continually exceed the boys. Right now, by about 100 pounds, it looks like. (laughs) So men, it's time to not hand over the paycheck, but give it to Walmart and buy candy. Amen. Praise the Lord. But let's keep that up and let's keep seeing and let's gather the candy. But the primary thing isn't the competition as much as having something to give back to the community. The world would like to try to take everything and say, look, it's ours. But isn't it great? My God can redeem anything if it's given into his hands. So I want to include that candy and let's let's make this a great fall festival this year. Pat, you want to come on up, brother? All high tech and everything. Yep. Man, high-tech redneck now. We're going to... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? what? No, go ahead. Yep. Be I, nice. I Be it. nice. I do it. <laughs> Father God, I lift up my brother to you, and I thank you for his willingness and his obedience and his diligence to be able to come and open the word and share with us, God. I, I pray we hear you through him. Bless him and, and Christy and his family, and just thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank yeah. you.
I am. I am. I promise. What a great day. You know, I woke up this morning and uh, I wasn't sure if I had scripture or not. And that's pretty much every Sunday morning. And so I'd go ahead and get one ready. And uh, I guess I opened up my uh, Version Bible app this morning, which is what I usually go and read in several different versions. And if y'all don't have that on your phone, it's a pretty good app and it's free. Uh, but the verse of the day came out of 1 Peter. And I thought, man, what a great verse. And, it, and it, I'm, I'm actually going a little bit beyond what the verse that they used this morning. But the verse is First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 3. And it says, praise the, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorruptible, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, though for now, though now for a short time you have had to struggle in various, in various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the time of revelation of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's 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 the whole book, in in four little short verses. What what more could we ask for, man? Starting out, I mean, first thing we do, we come in here this morning. We're singing, we're praising, right? Start the day that way. Get a good dose of the message from this guy. Hopefully, he's going to talk about how Jesus died on the cross for our salvation. He usually he's pretty good about doing that. And uh, but I mean, when you really think about how many of you guys had a tough week this week? It, it was, it was, there was some stuff coming through this week that wasn't all that great. And he says it's our gold being refined by fire. We're going to have these trials for a short time. And it's nothing compared to the inheritance that's kept in heaven for us. Unperishable, uncorruptible, and perfect. And you think about, well, I've got a safe at the house where I keep all my valuables. No, no, no. Think about how, how many robbers you think are going to get into heaven to steal your treasure up there. It's not happening. And when I think about this morning, that imperishable and uncorruptible gift and the inheritance that we have in, in, as God and our Father, what an amazing day. And I just pray this morning we all praise and honor him for that. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you and we just do want to give you the honor and the praise. And Lord, not just for... The Father, Lord, but for the Son and for the Holy Spirit as well, Lord, that each one has a role to play in our lives. Lord, we just thank you for the sacrifice of your Son, Lord, where he is willing to take our sins to the cross and take them to the grave, Lord, but we know that he rose triumphant. And, Lord, that because of his example, Lord, we can do the same. Lord, I just thank you for being a God who loves us so much, Lord, a God who has those things stored for us in heaven, Lord. And sometimes it seems like when we're going through the trials, it seems like that you're not there with us or you're not concerned about us. And, Lord, we wonder, why do you let us go through these things? But, Lord, we know that you tell us that these things are going to be here for a little while and don't even begin to compare to the gifts you have waiting for us. Lord, I just thank you for everything. I just thank you for this church and just pray your blessings on it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, let's keep singing. We got a couple more songs for you this morning. 
Words will be up on the screen. Rise or just take a comfortable position of worship, whatever that is for you. And we're going to sing Days of Elijah. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sore, Still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, He comes, riding on the cloud, shining like the sun. At the trumpet's call, lift your voice, it's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation comes. These are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones become in his flesh. And these are the days of your servant David, rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest, the fields are as white in the world. We are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet's call, lift your voice, it's the year to believe. Out of science, till salvation comes. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 There's no God. Do you believe it? There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God. Come on, church. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. Behold, He comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet's call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee. Now the signs till salvation comes. Behold, He comes riding on the clouds. Shining like the sun at the trumpet's call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, not a silence till salvation comes. Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises bring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing 
Standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises I cannot fail, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Grab a seat for a minute. We have something special this morning. You know, there's no greater moment. I believe anyway in a parent's life than, they real, when they, than when they realize that their children are actually a blessing from God. Amen. That they truly are a gift from God. That they are God's children that he is entrusting us to raise. And as a pastor, it is a blessing unto me to be a part of parents wanting to show their full appreciation to God by dedicating their children back onto the Lord. I, I know when I come in in the mornings, I, I, I love it when Zoe runs up and gives me that hug, hug and, and Abigail runs up and gives me that hug and these children run up to me. But how much more beautiful is it when the parents, when those children see their parents and those parents see their children and they come together? Amen? You see, in God's eyes, children are an incredible delight. In fact, God said, suffer none to, to hamper the way of these children of coming on to me. In other words, no one should get in the way of children coming on to the Lord. He loves the children. Psalms 127 verse 3, it says there very clearly that, that sins are, excuse me, sons are the heritage of, of the, sons are a heritage of the Lord and children are a gift from him to you. Hallelujah. Now, you may be thinking about your kids and their teenagers. You're saying, you just don't know my kid, Pastor. <laughs> They'll get through it, I promise. Children are a gift unto us from God. So because children are a gift from God to us, and we are, as, as, as parents are allowed to take a part of that, it's only natural for Christian parents to want to, to dedicate their child back unto the Lord. Amen? 
throughout the Gospels, you see people that have children bringing their children up to Jesus, bringing children up to God and asking God, will you pray over them? Will you touch them? Will you do this? Will you do that? Bringing their children just because they knew that God was the one that would hold on to them. So that's what's here this morning. We're going to take part in just a quick little service, but a very important one. As Miriam and, and Clayton are going to come up, we are going to dedicate Emory and their kids back onto the Lord this morning. So come on up, guys. And while they're coming, I want to share a passage of Scripture with you. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Come on up here, guys. I wanted to be able to get on film for you. These commandments that I give you today are to be your, be upon you, upon your hearts, and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now, some of you may be old enough, you may remember Crosby, Stills, and Nash that made a song. Regardless of what you think of the group, it said, train up your children well. Train your children well. I don't think there's any better way to train up your children than what Deuteronomy just laid out for us. To impress God upon them. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1 says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but yet a foolish son grief to his family, to his mother. Folks, the way to raise up wise children is to raise them up in the calling of God. Amen? So, Clayton and Emery are coming this morning. Excuse me, Clayton and Miriam are bringing Emery this morning and the rest of the kids up here. So that as you guys are bringing Emery and the, the rest of the kids up this morning, what you're asking is for us to dedicate the babies. But what I would ask you to, I want you to, to make sure that in every fiber of your being, you two are wanting to be what God's called you to be. For when you are being what God wants you to be, then you'll be able to train your children up in that as well. Does that make sense? Amen. So as you love God, love one another, and then love that love will go down into the children, and that'll filter throughout their children to your grandchildren. And that teaching that we just learned in Deuteronomy will carry you through. Amen? All right. So if you agree with this, I want you to say we do. But by coming forward before God and these people, do you declare your desire to dedicate Emory unto the Lord and the rest of the kids today as well? All right. This is your charge before the eyes of God and the eyes of all this church right here too. And Emory's saying, I don't know about this, but if you agree with this, I want you to say we do at the end of it. So that Emory may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers. Do you, Clayton, Miriam, do you vow by God and in partnership with this church to provide Emory and the rest of the kids a Christian home of love and peace, to raise them in the truth of our Lord's instruction and discipline, and to encourage them one day to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord? We do. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, that being said, church, I think it's only right that as they have come into, they are part of this body. Now, we know that Clayton accepted Christ and was baptized, but Miriam is coming also. And I want to interject in the midst of this service right now. Miriam said that she is ready and wants to come with her kids under their watch care. And she is coming with her husband now, and she wants to join the church properly as well. Amen? Hallelujah. So everybody in accordance with Miriam joining the church as well, say hallelujah this morning. Amen. Now, that puts a charge to you guys. And this is why I want, if you're capable and able, I would like the church to rise right now. Because I'm going to put a charge forth to you, to God, 
before the eyes of God, but also before the eyes of Miriam and Clayton and their children. I'm going to read this charge to you. And if you will choose to do this, I'm only speaking to those who know Christ in their heart this morning. I don't want you to make an idle plea. But if you know Christ and you agree with what I'm about to share, then I'm going to ask you to say we do at the end. But it says this. So that Emory and the rest of these children may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers, will you, church, vow by God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ to help Clayton and Miriam be faithful to God and to help teach and train Emory and the rest of these kids in the ways of the Lord so that they may one day trust Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. If you accept that responsibility this morning, will you say, we do? We do. Hallelujah. You can be seated. In the eyes of God, in the eyes of the church, and in the eyes of us as a family, Miriam, Clayton, the rest of the young ones here, we today dedicate Emory and the rest of these kids onto the Lord. And we do so with you guys charging to train them up in the ways of Christ. And we as a body training them up in the ways of Christ. Amen? Amen. So let let me pray. Father God, I do lift up Clayton and Miriam and the family to you, Lord God. And I just pray right now that you would just touch Emory. As she is coming here as the baby of the family, may she also feel this presence of your grace today. Touch each one of these children and may your name be lifted up and glorified. And Father, may Clayton and Miriam, they're not perfect, but as they go through life, as they learn how to be husband and wife, as they learn how to be mom and dad, as they learn how to trust and treat these kids as yours, as you work through them, may your grace and your mercy be manifested on these children. May your will be done, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And before you go, amen. There's a little Bible to Emory Lacina. And I, I got a quick testimony I want to share. People that don't know my life knows that I was pretty crazy when I was young. Part of my testimony is always this. When I turned my life around to try to get my life right, I came home. It was like three o'clock in the morning one night. You know, the only Bible I had in my house was given to me by my, I don't remember ever being given it, but I knew where it was, given to me by my grandparents in 1969. And I went and got that old Bible where I, in fact, I had to find it actually, but that was the only Bible in my house. But isn't it great that that old 1969 Bible had the same words that this Bible right here has. Amen. And I pray that maybe this Bible will touch her one day. And here's a, a certificate of appreciation from the church that we, you've allowed us to help you guys parent back to the children. Amen. 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 Guys, give them a hand. Give God the glory. All right. Uh, we're going to sing one more song. Um, but for this song, I want to invite you guys to sit that's okay. Uh, I'll be sitting. Also, (laughs) uh, for this song, I I want you guys to just close your eyes and uh, as you hear the words that we're singing, just pray these words to yourself uh, and maybe at the end of the song you'll discover you're you're a little bit different than how we started, all right? This is uh, Who You Say I Am. Who am I that the highest king 
would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me in, oh, his love for me, oh, his love for me, who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed, I'm a child of God, yes, I am. Free at last, he has ransomed me, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Through the sun sets free, all is free. Father's house, in my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I could sing that one all day, brother. You could have just kept repeating that chorus. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to start off in Matthew. 
Matthew 18. <clears throat> Matthew 18.3. It says, I assure you, he said, unless you are converted and become like children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, as we said earlier, just shows again the personability of, of children to God. God respects and desires the children. And he desires us to have that same kind of faith as a child. But notice what he says again here. I assure you, he says, unless you are converted to become like children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Unless you are converted. Now, some of your translations say turn to. Some say repent. The word here that, that when you look at converted, when you look at conversion... The actual Greek word that was actually translated here means to a turning on the part of an individual. In salvation, when you apply that to salvation, it consists of two elements, repentance and faith. In other words, what Jesus is saying to you and I, that if we are truly going to be accepted by Christ, if we truly have accepted Christ into our hearts, it's not about saying just a cute prayer. It's not about that you had a, an experience of some sort to truly be converted, to truly have that conversion in your life. There has to be repentance and there has to be faith. Repentance means turning from something and faith means turning to something. So repentance and faith, turning away from a lifestyle that you may have been living for the last 50 years, 60 years, and turning to Jesus Christ in your faith. That is what brings conversion. That's what brings salvation. Not just being able to say that I went to church all my life or I was, I, I was in the church from the womb to the tomb. Doesn't matter how long you were in church. Have you truly had that conversion experience? Have you turned from one way and became something else? Because when Christ moves into your life, praise God, I can guarantee you from my, my, from my testimony, but from the scripture as well, I guarantee you when Christ moves in, things are going to change. And if you tell me why well, I said this prayer and everything and, and had a great service and the pastor held me under till I thought I was going to black out. But my life didn't change. All you had was a scary experience with a mean preacher. <laughs> to truly be saved, to truly have that conversion, there's got to be repentance and there has to be faith. Turning from something and turning to something. In Acts chapter 20, verse 21, Paul he is speaking to the Ephesian church. If you remember when in our Sunday school in the in the book of Acts, uh, Paul he loved the Ephesian church. He loved all the churches, but he felt drawn to that, those Ephesians. And when he was leaving them, and he was looking to the elders there, he was imparting his heart. But he said this to, both to the Jews and to the Greeks: they had a repentance towards their gods and a faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, "You grew up." With all these gods, these Jews and these Greeks both alike, he said, you grew up with all these tr trials and, and understandings. You grew up with all these traditions. You grew up with all this stuff. But praise God that through Jesus Christ, you realized, even though you had an entire traditional heritage of these things, you repented of that when you heard the truth and you put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's important that we understand that, guys, because so often we get so entrenched in our traditions and in our religion and in our way of life that we start thinking and saying, well, I can't change all those things. And you're right. 
But if you have a conversion experience, it's not you who does the changing. It's God who's going to do the changing and he will get it done. But you have to accept the fact that there's got to be change. Paul also gives us an example of this as well, the two elements of conversion. When he's talking to the Thessalonians in the Thessalonica church, he says that, that you are aware of the fact that you have been turned or converted, you can put there, you were converted from gods and idols to Jesus Christ. Again, a lifestyle of living, an entire cultural heritage behind you. You have all the reasons in the world to adhere to some of the things of your past. But because you were converted, because you turned from those things and put your faith in God, you were saved. Hallelujah. The message this morning that I'd like to share with you that I feel as though God laid on my heart. We're going to look at three different conversions. You can return to the book of Acts. Three different conversions. And I feel like there's something that we need to glean from this to consider as vital truths about conversion that we can speak to in each one of our hearts this morning. We're going to look at Saul's conversion, Lydia's conversion, and the, the Philippian jailer's conversion. And I hope that you will notice with me this morning that though there, there's a, a, an experience of conversion, they're all different. Because so many times... We get caught up in this idea, well, my testimony isn't like Brother David's. My testimony isn't like Brother Shane's. My testimony isn't like sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so or this person or that person. That that when I come together, it's different because they I'm different from they are. Hallelujah. We're going to see in these three conversions, just these three, there's many more, but we should notice that the experience of the conversion is the same, but the people are different. All of us who are Christians, at least, we do not have the same experience surrounding our salvation because we're not the same people. But praise God, we serve the same God. Amen? It doesn't matter where you're coming from. It doesn't matter what your history is. It doesn't matter whether I know who you are or not. You could be in church and be, just have the greatest apostate faith. In other words, you're playing church and everybody can, would look at you and say, man, they are a godly person, but inside you're eaten up because you know that you know that you're not. You know that you're doing everything you shouldn't be. You know that you've been playing church, that you've just been making everybody happy and you're scared to step away. Whatever it may be, Wherever you may be coming from, or maybe you're the opposite. You've had such a great life and everything's wonderful, but you just, nothing really changed. and You're not sure where you are. When we accept Christ, it doesn't matter where you were, because he can reach into any one of those places. It's about where you become. You see, all are saved by grace, but the working of grace is oftentimes different because he has to hit me with a board where he could just speak to you. Some of us are a little bit more stubborn and hard-headed. Some of us get caught in the lifestyles we didn't realize were out there at all. Some of us start heading down pathways that, that he's throwing up the flags and pretty soon he has to hit us with something to knock us back where we need to be. We are all saved alike, but not all saved are alike. Does that make sense? We're all different, but he's the same. There's no difference in the application of grace, but there is a difference in the people that's benefiting from that grace. Regardless of who you are, you may not have a character like mine, and, and you ought to thank God for that. You may not be like your spouse. You may not be like your next door neighbor. You may not be like your best friend. You may be a complete different oddity out there in the world somewhere. 
But praise God, the grace of God was for whomsoever, and regardless of where you are in your life, regardless of how bad you think you might be, regardless of how good you might think you can be, my God can still work in there. Even though you're different than brother or sister so-and-so, his grace is all-encompassing, all-powerful through one man, Jesus Christ, his blood on the cross of Calvary, and will reach in and save you from where you're at. Saul's conversion is marked with clarity. In Acts chapter 9, Notice what it says, starting in verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that he found any who belonged to the way, either men or women. He might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why hast thou persecuted me? Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, but get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now let's, let's stop there for just a moment. I'm going to run with the, the idea that you know the rest of the story and you know more about the book of Acts and what happened to Paul here. But one moment, if you had known leading up into this story, Saul was vicious. Here was a man the, the Saul of Tarsus, who was riding high on, on, on his horse with his secure, impregnable armor of his iron-clad prejudice. He was, he was just ate up and angry. He was breathing out threats and slaughter. He did not like or want anything to, that had anything to do with Christianity, with Jesus, to exist. Man, woman, or child, it didn't matter to him. If they wanted to claim to be a part of the way, as it was called back then, he wanted to take them down. But then here, the next moment, he is prostrate on the ground, blinded by the light. Here he is, big, mean, and bad. And the next moment, he's on the ground. One moment, Saul of Tarsus, he is, he is determined, absolutely determined to, to go in and, and, and wreak havoc and vengeance on the believers in Damascus. He's going into Damascus with all this hate and meanness and, and, and just is exceedingly enraged about what Christ has done. It doesn't fit his faith, and he has this self-righteousness about him, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to drag these people, men, women, and children, and I'm going to drag them back to the Pharisees. You see, he had an incredible intellect. Paul was incredibly intelligent. And with his intellect and his fierce emotions, those combined with his force of will, he was a man that was set that once his mind was done, he was done. He was going to carry it out. Now, do you think that caught God off guard? No, God knew who Paul was. Now, Paul chose to take it in a very hateful, mean-spirited, ugly way, and he was determined to go out there and, and together drag every, with, with, the, with the rest of the Jews, drag everyone he could back to, to Jerusalem and have them stoned and flogged or even killed as it was with Stephen. Paul was a hateful harsh man when it came to Christians. But here he is heading out with all that intellect and all that pride and all that religiosity behind him. He's riding into Damascus. He's on his horse. He's got papers in his hand from the chief scribes telling him that he can do whatever he wants to. And the next moment, his mouth is in the dirt, filled with remorse, humbled beyond measure, repentant, contrite. And all of a sudden within him, there's a strange sense of wonder and hope 
and fear because now he finally realizes God has spoken to him. He has heard the truth of God. And now that by being in the presence of God, he realizes all his sin and he's laying on the ground and it's all now he realizes what he has done. The remorse comes in. Verse 1 and 2, we see Saul on the road. Verse 4, we find him on the ground. That's how my God works. And I say this this morning because there are so many times people will allude to the fact, well, you just don't know how bad I am, Pastor. I don't care how bad you are and don't need to know how bad you are. You cannot be as bad to the Christian church as Paul was. One, you wouldn't get away with more than two or three murders and you'd be hung up somewhere. But Paul was getting away with it. Paul was getting away with this brutality. Paul hated the Christian church, but yet God knew the man. And when he spoke truth to the man, the man got up and went into Damascus and did as he was told to do. Saul was on the road to arrest others and God arrested him. Amen. And he'll do the same in your life. I don't, it does not matter how bad you may think you are. It doesn't matter that you've been, you may say, but I've been going to church all my life. If I step out now and people see the sin that I have in my heart, in my life, they, they will disown me. Praise God. Let them disown you if God's going to wrap his arms around you. Cause they will have the problem, not you. Paul had a relationship. One moment was, of Saul was this proud, prosecutor and the next moment he is a very humble penitent there was a change there was a conversion there he went from that proud prosecutor he heard the word of god he had a he had a a a a moment with christ and god changed him he who was that angry bull became a docile lamb amen and he'll do the same in your life Flip over a few pages to Acts 16. In Acts chapter 16, in Acts chapter 16, we see Lydia. Starting in verse 14. A woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who worshiped God, was listening. Then the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was spoken by Paul. After she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come, stay in my house. And she persuaded us. Now, notice some things here. Paul, vicious, riding a horse. You had that testimony of just, I'm all that in a bag of chips and I'm taking out every Christian I can. God did it. Lydia's conversions marked with quietness. Here Lydia is, she quietly says she loves God. She wants to do what's right. She's a lady of business in Thyatira. She's, she's just quiet and mild and just doing what she needs to do. But she was captivated by Paul's message. Now, this is the same Paul who went into Damascus going to tear everybody down. But now God converted him and all of a sudden he's preaching the message. And not just to mean, ugly, harsh people like he was. Here's sweet little Lydia She hears the gospel message. The gospel message goes to work in her heart. The Holy Spirit starts moving around in her life. And the result was conversion. It says she was listening attentively to the word. And quietly, the word of God was brought into her heart. And her heart was brought to conversion. Two absolutely diametrically opposing types of testimonies. But one God reaches into both people. One God knew what Paul needed with a board on the back of his head to get him straight. And the other one was reaching to Lydia, just needed a still small voice to speak peace into her heart. Hallelujah. 
Look over on the other page there. Starting in, in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas, they were praying and singing hymns. This, we're talking about the Philippian jailer here and the suddenness of his conversion. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because all of us are still here. Then the jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he escorted them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The saints were singing. He was hearing the word of God in song. Paul wasn't out preaching. He was singing at this point. Locked, chained to a wall. He and Silas are just having a great time. We talked about this in Sunday school just this morning. Regardless of your situation, regardless of the circumstances you're in, regardless of how bad they may seem, when you put your faith in Christ and put your heart in Christ, in the midst of those circumstances, you know what you're going to be able to do? You're going to be able to sing. You're going to be able to have joy. Because God is king, not the circumstance. That God has defeated death, hell, and the grave, and eternity is with him. Therefore, the moments I will be here in the midst of something that is un, 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 uh, not very polite, something that I don't particularly care for, I can still know that my God's hand's upon me. The saints are singing, and who knows? They might have just been singing to one another, but yet the prisoners not only heard, which we know because nobody left. The prisoners not only heard, but the jailer was out there hearing, and a stronghold was shaken. Did it catch God by surprise that Paul was chained to a wall? Oh, but he was Paul's man. Why would God allow that to happen? Because God's always got the remote control in his hand. He knew a jailer that needed to come to know who he was. And he said, you know what? I'm going to put you in this jail so I can rattle the cage and get that man's attention out there. And so that's what happens. He shakes the foundation and a suicide was stopped because that man said, you know, if all my prisoners disappeared, the, the centurions are going to come. They're going to kill me. And I'd rather kill myself and save a little bit of my honor than to die as somebody losing my prisoners. But, but Paul says, no, no, don't do that. We're all still here. That man who feared the worst found the best. Amen? Because he who thought he was, I'm just going to commit suicide, realized that it wasn't just songs that Paul and Silas were singing. They were singing something they truly believed in. And because they truly believed in it, it stopped this man from dying. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit sets into him suddenly a, a, a yearning fills his soul. And he not only was the gate shaken, but he was shaken and he was ready to be saved. I want to know about this God you've been singing about. Hallelujah. Three different kinds of people. Each of these conversions were by grace through faith. Every one of them was the same God, but different individuals. Saul was a, a tormented soul. He was one who, he wanted to be righteous, but he didn't have the spirit to make him righteous. He had all the teaching, he had all this knowledge, but he didn't have the spirit. So inside, seeing these Christians happy who didn't have his teachings, these Christians are happy who are not carrying out the formal traditions like he did. Seeing these Christians have what he did not have, he was tormented inside. But when God got a hold of him, he was converted. Lydia, the picture of a tender soul. She just loved God. And God said, well, let me show you what you need to be converted. The jailer, a tough soul, a, a, a jailer in a Roman, Roman jail, 
sees the power of God through song and the shaking of the ground. The essence of conversion is divine. Now, what do I mean by that, guys? No matter how bad you want to say that you've been converted, if God is not in the picture, you can't do it. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I was raised in church. My parents brought me up and I was dedicated to the front of the church. I know all the traditions. I got all the knowledge. I have everything. I have to be saved. God knows me because I've been in church all my life. God knew you before you were ever born. Doesn't mean you're going to stand before him one day washed by the blood of the Lamb. The only way that comes is to accept that divine appointment, to accept that grace when it's poured out. You see, there are a few things that are, that are fundamental to a conversion experience. There's a few things that, that have to happen. Though the experience of conversion is different, the essence of conversion is the same because it's Jesus Christ. And one of the main things we need to understand is the light of God's word is going to be revealed. Until you listen to the word of God, there is no true conversion. I don't care how long you've been in church. You might have heard a million sermons until you really listen and let God speak to you. It's not about Frank. I can't save you. I don't even think I speak very well. However, if the Holy Spirit can take the noise I make and make it speak something to your heart, then it's he who's speaking. And at that point, that's when conversion can take hold because you choose not to listen to Frank. You choose, God, what are you saying to me today? In each of these three instances, God spoke. God spoke the word and they, they listened. The word of God was heard. And we know from Scripture, what does the Scripture say? That, that, that to be saved, if we really want to, to know who he is, faith comes by hearing and the hearing by the word of God. Saul heard Jesus on that road to Damascus. Lydia heard Saul. The jailer heard Saul and, 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 and Silas singing. But folks, what I'm trying to say is this morning... When you truly hear the word of God, it isn't about a a camp teacher making you walk down the aisle so that you can join in with everybody else. It's not about grandma telling you you have to be baptized. It's not about that pastor who's going to keep knocking on my door until I go and do something down there. It's when you hear the word of God, not with your ears, but with your heart. Then a genuine conversion experience comes in. Why? Because the truth is revealed. It wasn't the pastor reading a passage of scripture. It was God speaking what you needed to hear. When we allow ourselves to hear that, that's when conversion happens. When truth is revealed to each one of us the way we need to hear it, the way we need to understand it, things are going to change. You know what's going to happen then? You're going to go out and you're going to proclaim it. Whether in action or in word, people are going to see a change in your life. You cannot stay the same when the Holy Spirit that spoke the heavens into existence, defeated death, hell, and the grave, bled down that cross. When that Holy Spirit moves into your life, you can't stay the same. Now you may say, but but pastor, it is so difficult. I've built my entire life on something opposite. When God is speaking to you, you may say, I, I know what God's telling me to do, but, but that would counteract everything that I've said and done in my life. Folks, Paul, was the, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he calls himself. He was taught at the feet of Gamaliel. He knew tradition. He knew religiosity. He knew Christianese, if you will. He knew everything. He knew it all. But it wasn't until God got a hold of him. And then what did he do? He completely 
turned around. He completely changed. He went in to persecute Christians and instead started preaching to Christians. Sometimes we have to to change everything that we have ever stood for when we start seeing it the way God sees it. That's hard to do. When God's telling you it's time to walk away, to repent from and turn to me, Oh, pastor, or, or, or God, I can't do that. I've never done that before. Let that preacher do it. Let the deacons do it. I can't do that. What will my kids say? I've told them all my life, do this, this, this. I can't tell you how many times I've heard just this past week. I had a, a, a pastor, actually. He said, I never say I'm sorry. You know, if you say you're sorry, it shows weakness to your congregation. That's not what Christ would say to do. Folks. Sometimes God's going to change who you are and you have to get out of the way and let him do it. We serve a mighty God. And the great thing is when he moves in and you are converted, when you turn from what you were, when you allow him to move in your life, he is also going to give you the strength and the capability to do what it is he's calling you to do. He is going to give you the power, no matter how hard it may seem to be, to turn from that old lifestyle. Pastor, I'll lose business acquaintances. I'll lose friends. I'll lose part of my family. All this stuff. If I do exactly what God's telling me to do, I'm going to lose all these things. It's, it's too hard, folks. It will be even harder if you choose not to because when christ moves in he's going to give you that power i'm going to mention a name to you this morning that i never dreamed that i would show a video of in a church service and i'm going to watch i'm going to ask you to watch a video in just a few minutes because it points out how god not only is still in the people changing business but he can work, reach in to those who have made a life out of supposedly claiming his name. But when we listen to his truth, when we truly have a moment where we allow God to speak to us, you know what's going to happen is we're going to start to proclaim truth. When you truly know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to worry about what people think anymore. You're going to worry about what is it that God would have me to do. As Morgan's queuing that up, please don't look away when you see who this is. Don't, I want you to listen to what he says this morning. Go ahead and play that, guys. All about our brokenness, our old man, we call that the flesh, must be broken, must be out of the way. And today, sadly, among a lot of circles, all you hear is, how to build the flesh. It's a feel-good message. That's what you hear out there. It's all about feel good, do good, all that. Make money, all the rest of it. And I'm sorry to say that prosperity has gone a little crazy. And I'm correcting my own uh, uh, theology and you need to all know it. Because when I read the Bible now, I don't see the Bible in the same eyes I saw the Bible 20 years ago. And Steve Strang from Charisma, whom we go back years, he actually, he was in my wedding. People don't even know that Charisma magazine began with my father-in-law. Charisma magazine started with Roy Harden, and I married his daughter. So Steve Strang was in, in my wedding. 
We go way back. And he's already asked me, said, are you ready to make it public? I said, well, not totally. Because I don't want to hurt my friends whom I love who believe things I don't believe anymore. And I will tell you now something that is, is going to shock you. I think it's an offense to the Lord. It's an offense to say, give $1,000. I think it's offense to the Holy Spirit to place a price on the gospel. I'm done with it. I will never again ask you to give a thousand or whatever amounts because I think the Holy Ghost is just fed up with it. Are you, did you hear me? I think that hurts the gospel. So I'm making this statement for the first time in my life and frankly I don't care what people think about me anymore. So I, I, I had a guy well, I'll tell you who. It was Dan Willis. I, I, I love Dan with all my heart. I said, don't you dare preach that message again. Yeah. <laughs> if just a few days ago. I said, no, no. I said, when, when, I'm not going to hear it. I don't want to be a part of it. So I, when they invite me to telethons, I think they will not like me anymore. <laughs> because if you look at the Word of God. Wait a minute. Let this play. <laughs> Never mind. I forgot that part. The bottom line is this, with this. He turned from his teachings that for many years I had a lot, and I'm sure he and I will still have a lot of, of doctrinal issues with one another in different areas. But guys, he turned from his teachings to Christ's teachings, which alienated many of his friends, many of the people in his sphere of influence. And regardless of what you think about the man, and like I said, I'm sure we'll have lots of doctrinal differences, the fact that he got on public airwaves and said that I've been wrong for the last 20 years and it grieves the Holy Spirit, I give that man credit for having the courage to step up, step out, and proclaim that God can change somebody. He's built his life on what he just renounced. He just, he's built his life on, on, on those things. When we truly hear Christ, there's going to be change in your life. I don't care how hard it may seem. I, I can only imagine how difficult it was for that man to work it through with his father-in-law, to work it through with his family, to work it through with those he's been in ministry with, with to work it through those who are going to write him letters talking about all the money they've given him and all the things. There has got to be so much that's ran through that man's mind. And what did he say? I realized it doesn't matter what people think. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. And he publicly gets up and renounces his own teachings and says, I adhere to Christ's teachings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Folks, this morning, when you receive the blood of God's Son, there's going to be a change in your heart. You cannot accept Christ. You cannot have that, that moment where you truly hear the truth of God in your life and they're not be changed. All three of these that we mentioned in our text this morning, Saul, Lydia, the Philippian jailer, they trusted in God's son for salvation and there was change in their life. There was true conversion. 
that happened within them. That John chapter, John 14, 6, there is no, it says there is no conversion without a belief in Jesus Christ. It is when we put our faith, when we repent, turn from those wicked things of our life, turn from teachings that we may have looked, based our entire life on, turning from Christianese, turning from religiosity, turning from whatever it is that's been a hurdle between you and God and putting your faith in Him, that's when there's going to be conversion. And here's what we need to note this morning. You may be in here this morning and you're saying, well, I don't need this sermon. I prayed a prayer a long time ago. I know where I am supposed to be. Folks, if salvation is real, then there has to be a conversion. If your salvation is real, there was a change that took place in your life. Does that conversion show? We need to ask ourselves that this morning. We need to look into our hearts. Does other people see a change? The Bible says that the love of God is shown to others through the Holy Spirit, which he has given unto you. If we truly have accepted Christ into our hearts, we're going to love others. We're going to, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 starts out, the fruit of the Spirit is love. There's many others, but there's love. It is a result of life. Fruit is a result of life, guys. If you have a tree and it is growing and it's rooted and it is, it's got leaves, it's going to produce fruit. Our little fig tree out here that we were able to salvage through all this tragedy was laden with fruit just a few weeks ago. The limbs were hanging. It had so much fruit. When that tree is bearing fruit, it's alive. It is the tree that is not bearing fruit that I would say there is no life. Now, only God knows the heart of a man. I can't tell you the heart of a man, but I can tell you that the fruit of the Spirit is going to show itself both outwardly and inwardly, and it is an indicator of life. If you have no fruit in your life this morning, then I would say there is no conversion, and if there is no conversion, there is no Christ. If there is no Christ, there's no entry into heaven. Well, pastor, you're just meddling now. I've just been in a bad mood the last six months, that's all. That's when you and the Lord... But I would say if that, if you've been six months without any fruit showing, your roots are getting really sick. And you need to get back to Christ. The Bible says that we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. But then the next line says, he that loved not his brethren abideth in death. We are to love the brethren. When we look at our life, do we see ourselves picking everyone up or picking everybody apart? Do we look into our lives? Do we see that we bring light into the room? Do we bring light into a conversation? Do we bring joy into things that we are being a part of? Or are we the Debbie Downer? Are we the one coming in that's tearing things down? Are we the one coming in and just bringing causticness and ugliness into this situation? Am I lifting Christ and there's been a conversion where people see joy? Or has there not been a conversion and people see death when I walk in? Do I see myself building up people? And trying to, to look beyond their own shortcomings and faults that God brings into my pathway? Or can I not wait till they bring them into my pathway so I can say, you got to do this, this, and that? Where are we at? Where's that conversion? Are you always at odds with other people and only seeing their bad? Or are you working with others and loving them? And though they may have shortcomings that, that just really aggravate you, can you just pray for them and say, you know, I wish we could get beyond this because I know that God loves you, God loves me. And we're going to get through this together. That's when you know there's conversion. Guys, uh, if you'd known me 30 years ago, you'd never dreamed that God would let me stand behind a pulpit. I didn't even like people, much less talk to them. But that's what God will do. He will change you.
Even when I was a youth pastor, I just tolerated the adults. I didn't like adults. They always wanted something. And then I realized, even in my youth pastor days, I stopped one day and my mentor, Brother Jesse, he prayed for me in the back porch. He said, Frank, I do believe you know Christ, but you've turned off the valve. You've been wronged. You've had these things going in your life and you just don't trust people. And I'm not telling you to trust people, but I'm telling you to trust Christ. And when the people he brings into your life, trust that Christ knows them better than you think you do. And that Christ knows them better than you know yourself. And guys, that may sound trite, but I sat on the back porch of that church for several hours that night. Because I realized, how can I help these kids if I'm not an example of the grace and the mercy and the love of God to the adults that bring these kids or not bring these kids? And that was the start of that conversion. And then Stormy and I was talking just this morning. Even after all these years, I still find myself getting closer to him. I still, I think the tragedy brought a very quick burst of miracle grow or something because I do feel now that I truly don't care what people think about me. I, I, you know, I want to be what God wants me to be to you, but I care mostly, God, am I doing what you would have me to do? And for that reason, I can be chained in a jail cell and sing. And it's okay to me, I think. Not saying I want to go there, Lord, but anyway. (laughs) I can go where the Lord leads. Because I know that conversion. I've seen the fruit. But I've also seen what it is to be a dead tree or barely, barely struggling tree. Philip Brooks says that when I met Jesus, I was looking down. But when I left from him, I was looking up. Guys, if you truly have that conversion experience, it's going to change your life. Paul had a change of purpose. Paul went from from wanting to to destroy the people in Damascus to wanting to preach to the people in Damascus. Now, the people, they were a little scared. They said, is this not he who destroyed them who called upon the name of Jesus in the way? And yet he has writs in his hand that he may come and bound us to the chief priests. They were saying, this is the same guy that wanted to kill us yesterday. How can I accept this? How can I believe this? Paul had to answer. He, there was an explanation that had to happen for Saul. And you know what he said? It was very simple. He just came out and said, it was God. I can't explain to you who I was and what I am. All I can tell you is that Christ spoke to me and now I'm changed. That's the fruit. Lydia it was a changed pocket. When her heart was open, her house became open. She already loved the Lord, but now she realized all the things I have, they're God's. I just want you, I just want to have love for my brother. Stay with me. And a heart open to the will of God produced an outstretched hand to whomever would come her way. The jailer, we got somebody who was a, a callous person that lacked compassion, had that brutal language, if you will, but now it's brotherly love. He brought them outside. Come on out. I don't want to see you chained up in here anymore. Come outside. And also too, what do I have to do to be saved? Folks, conversion can take crooked people and make them straight. It can take drunk people and make them sober. It can take mean people and make them gracious. If we will allow it to do so. If there's true conversion, that's an extra 15 minutes y'all get in here now. If there's true conversion... 
then God's going to change who you are. The verse we started with this morning, except you be converted, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Guys, don't trust that you just said a prayer. If you don't see fruit in your life, and it doesn't matter how long you've been in church, the question is, is God speaking to you? If there is no fruit, ask yourself why. Now, you may have, you may have planted the seed and you grabbed a hold of him, and ever since you turned off the spigot and God hadn't been watering you. So you're there, but you're barely clinging to life. You want to have joy in the midst of all the dark that's going on in this world? Then take the essence of conversion. We are all different, but the essence of conversion is the grace and the mercy of an almighty God. And when you allow that to move in you, it's going to be demonstrated to all around you. This morning, the question becomes, do you, first of all, know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'm not asking, did you walk an aisle somewhere? I'm not asking, did you say a prayer? I'm not asking you if it was in the midst of a drunken bout one night, you said something. Have you seen a change in your life? And if you have not, then I would ask you to question that, that membership, that question that relationship. But I've been in church for 80 years. I'd rather you be a Christian for a f- two or three or five and stand before him one day and say, welcome home, than you to be a Christian for 80 and him say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. Where are you this morning? And don't worry about what your brothers and sisters in here think if you walk the aisle. If they want to talk not about you, that tells me about their fruit right there as well. Let them talk to God as you talk to God. Where are you this morning? Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. There is no conversion without Christ. And there's no getting into the kingdom of God without conversion. Therefore, if you don't know Christ, that's first and foremost. We've made it awful easy in this country, or probably the world. But churches today say, oh, just walk the aisle and say one little thing and and you're in. And I'm afraid that easiness of joining a church has given a whole lot of people a false... uh, thought that they are saved where are you this morning as we pray father god i just come before you this morning i thank you that you have given us your word that i can look at saul and know that no matter how bad i think i am when paul said he was the chief amongst sinners he remembered stephen holding their coats while they killed him with rocks he remembered the women and children that he had drugged to the pharisees But he also, when he said he was chief amongst sinners, spoke of he who had the most grace and the mercy to save him. Father, it is your grace. It is your mercy that I call upon today. I pray that if there are any in this room today that do not know you. Father, this could be our last sermon ever together. This could be the last day that one of us may see. I would hate to think that one day 
that they will not be in your presence because they put off a decision that had to be made. I bind the evil one, the words he's whispering in the ears of those that are here, those that may be the evil one saying how I'm just spouting things out up here, not to listen. I don't know what it may be. Maybe people are thinking about the barbecue next door. Whatever it is, Lord, that's blocking their decision to come to you, I pray today they will humble their hearts, put aside the pride that's keeping them from walking this aisle or bowing a knee right where they're at. And may they heed your words before it's too late. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, I would love to pray with you. This altar is open. You can come kneel around this altar. I'll pray with you. You can pray right where you're at. The the main thing to do today is take your roots, your life, your being, and listen to the truth of the Word of God and let Him change you today as we sing. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. Not of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty Tower of refuge and strength Let every breath all that I am Never cease to worship You Shout to the Lord All the earth Let us sing Power Praise to the King Mountains bow down And the seas will roar At the sound of your name Let's sing for joy At the work of your hands Forever I love you forever Stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, the tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath and all that I am 
never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us see power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. And I sing for joy at the work of your hand. Forever I love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have. Shout to the Lord on the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. And I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have. Sing that again. Nothing compares to the promise I have. One more. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Amen. Yes, sir. Hmm? My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, and all that I am never cease to worship you shout to the Lord all the earth let us sing as one body power and majesty praise to the King Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares. To the promise I have in 
Give God the glory this morning. Nothing compares to the promise we have in Him. Now this morning, there's been hearts that have been changed or those who have rededicated, those that are just seeking to know the Lord. And I know there's more of you out there that I don't know. But I pray that when you leave out of this place today, understand and know that you can judge and see where you are in the walk with the Lord by the fruit that's hanging on your tree. And I pray that we will do some fruit inspecting before we go back out into the world. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord for each one of you guys. Keep looking up. I know it's a little late. Remember the fundraiser dinner next door. There's barbecue. There's pies. There's, if the barbecue's bad, I know there's at least chocolate pie over there. I saw it come in. <laughs> guys, keep looking up. I praise the Lord for each one of you. Uh, Ian, hold your hand up for just a minute. If you didn't know Ian, that's him. That's the man that's going to be riding across America on a bicycle. If I had time, I'd do it on mine with a motor, but not with with the pedals. (laughs) But I'm not. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Keep him in your prayers. Go help support this trip that he's doing by buying a plate next door, I pray, if you can. And guys, no matter what, no matter what, keep looking up because it's all in him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Gary, will you close us in prayer this morning, brother? Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises ring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God Standing on the promises that cannot fail When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail By the living word of God I shall prevail Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing.
Standing on the promises of God Standing on the promises I cannot fail Listening every moment to the Spirit's call Resting in my Savior as my all in all Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God